Amen. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 says, Now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. This is the words of the centurion, for he loveth our nation. Talking about the centurion's servant. He loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself. For I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth. And I say to another, come, and he cometh unto my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Amen. And ask the Lord to talk to your hearts. Amen. To receive what God has for us today. Lord, we come before you on this beautiful Sunday morning. Lord, we're humbly coming before your presence and boldly entering God before you. We're asking you today, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Speak to God's specific situations in our lives. I pray, God, that you would anoint my lips of clay. God, help me to speak as the mouthpiece of God to your people today. Help me to feed the sheep, to feed the flock of God. Help our hearts, God, to be open and our ears attuned to your voice. And God, move us closer in the right direction that is closer to you, God. Change us and transform us. And we'll give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 7 introduces us to a Roman centurion who uh, is also what is also known as a soldier, a captain, uh, an officer in the Roman army. Amen. One who was a high ranking official and who had power and authority. Amen. And Luke chapter 7 introduces us to this Roman centurion who was a stern, unbending man accustomed to being obeyed absolutely and accustomed to oppress a downtrodden and conquered race without anyone raising a murmur. He was a heathen or a man that was without religion except the religion of obeisance to the emperor. And yet God's grace and God's mercy still reached for this man that was this Roman soldier who at the first had nothing but contempt for a religion that relied on a divine being for assistance in life. 
This Roman soldier was raised for, uh, was raised and taught to trust in himself alone and only respect militaristic and the powerful political forces of his day. This is the mindset of a Roman soldier in this time of Jesus uh, walking the face of the earth. And the last thing on the mind of this Roman centurion was the religion of the Jews. Amen. I want to begin to talk about this centurion. Amen. For a moment and probably take a little different direction from what you've heard as it relates to Luke chapter number 7 and the story of this centurion with great faith. And I want to ask the question, amen, what was his first run-in with a believer? What was the first run-in that this centurion had with a believer that caused him to begin to think and consider the things of God and the God of the Jewish people? Was it his servant that we're talking about in the story that God healed? Was it his servant that was a Jew or somebody that worked for him that was of a Jewish uh, mindset and belief system? Or uh, was it his neighbor that was a Jewish man or a woman that first began to witness to this Roman centurion? Or perhaps even was it someone in his, uh, in his acquaintance whose life testified to him of the God of the Jews? What was it in the life of this Roman centurion that first got his attention and caused him to focus upon Amen. A God that he was not trained and taught to worship. A God that he was taught, amen, was an inferior God. What was it that caused the Roman centurion, amen, to entertain the thought of the God of the Jewish people? It was somebody in his life that began to affect him. I believe it was somebody's witness and somebody's lifestyle that began to affect the Roman centurion. Amen. When his God was the emperor of Rome. And then he saw, amen, maybe it was his servant, the one that worked for him. Or maybe a neighbor, maybe just acquaintance passing by that got his attention about God. Regardless, something piqued his interest in this great God of the Jewish people. And as he looked deeper into this, amen, no doubt the Roman centurion begins to think for himself, amen, and begins to take the time to examine his own belief system. And the Roman centurion begins to look inwardly and say, do I really believe, amen, that the emperor of Rome is God? Do I really believe that I, in my human state, am a God? Amen. Or is this God that the Jewish people talk about, is He, the, in fact, the real God? Hallelujah. And then with a growing curiosity and moving quickly into an honest desire to learn more about this fully, amen, the Roman centurion begins to find out, amen, so this God that you're talking about, this God that you're serving, tell me more about Him. Tell me about this God. Maybe it was the lifestyle uh, and then of the neighbor that he lived by, Brother Daniel, that got his attention and said, Man, uh, this, this neighbor of mine, he is different. There's something about him. Amen. Maybe Brother Noah, it was a co-worker that he worked with on the job that converted to Judaism. Maybe it was a family member, Sister Gina, that their lifestyle spoke to the centurion. Amen. About a God that was greater than the emperor of Rome. But somewhere along the line, somebody else's lifestyle affected the thinking 
and the mindset of this Roman centurion. Hallelujah. Amen. God begins to lead this Roman centurion. God begins to lead him. And through perhaps, though perhaps unknowingly, amen, God begins to lead this centurion. And through the process of time, God enlightens the heart of this man. And he begins to have and develop a love for a nation that was not his own. He begins to have a love, amen, and a fondness of his heart towards a people that are not his own. Amen. He begins to have a desire to know this God. And he loves this nation that he was once sent to trample upon rather than to rule. So between this rough and tough Roman soldier who knew how to fight, amen, and was trained for battle, and his newfound Jewish friends, there began to spring up a mutual confidence and affection for the God of this person that was affecting him. Amen. I want to ask somebody here the question today. Does your lifestyle, amen, reflect your God's power and your God's grace to the world around you? Does your lifestyle, is it strong enough? Is it powerful enough to affect the neighbor that lives next door to you? Is it powerful enough to affect the the co-worker that you're on the job with? Is it powerful enough to affect the family member who's away from God? Can they see your lifestyle? And does it draw them closer to God? Does it engender a curiosity in the heart of those around you to know the Lord? Or when they talk to you on Monday afternoon or Monday morning and they say, hey, how was your weekend? Man, mine was filled with drinking and, and partying and carousing. And this one I slept with and that one I slept with and this drug that I got and, and this new alcohol. And, and we had a good time and we met so and so. We carried on till seven in the morning. And you sit back or sometimes it's we sit back. Amen. And we just say, well, mine was good. I had a fine weekend. Thank you for asking. And they're flaunting their, their sin. And they're flaunting their, uh, their immorality. They're flaunting. And we hold back and we don't tell them. Amen. I, I believe that it's time. Amen. That we begin to tell them. You know what? I went to church on Sunday. Yes. You know, I had a good time of prayer on Saturday. Yes. I didn't have a hangover Sunday morning nor Saturday morning. But I prayed. I got to God's house. We had a good time. Somebody got the Holy Ghost. Somebody else got baptized. We saw God heal the sick. We saw God deliver and set free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You ought to tell somebody about your God. How else else did this Roman centurion find out about God? Except it be his slave. They said, I might lose my job. I might lose favor. But you know what? I'm going to share it with them anyways. Maybe it was uh, a family member. Maybe it was uh, just a co-worker or a neighbor that said, you know what? What have I got to lose? I'm going to tell them about my Lord and my Savior. You know what this church needs to get back to is a, is a good old dose of soul in it. Yes. Amen. A good old dose of, you know what, Pastor? We're running out of church cards. Whose fault is that? My fault. I've been passing them all out. Good job. Amen. That ought to be a real problem we have. Yes. Amen. You know, I've been telling everybody about the Lord, and they all know I go to church. They know Sunday morning's my time to go to God's house. They, they know about my, my walk with God. They know I don't cuss no more. They know I don't Amen. sleep around no more. They know I don't party no 
more. They know I don't go to the dance halls no more. They know I dress different. They know that I look different. I live different. My lifestyle speaks to the world around me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And this Roman centurion, amen, began to be drawn to the people of God. Amen. God began to work in this Roman centurion's heart. And God began to draw him unknowingly at first. Amen. But his heart was being drawn to God. God was working on him. God was drawing him closer to him. Amen. And God did this to the point that he reached a place in his life when he helped to build the Jewish people a church house or a house of worship. In the Bible, it was a synagogue. He helped them build a synagogue. Amen. This is the development of the witness of somebody's influence in the life of the Roman centurion that God began to get a hold of him. God began to draw this man. And finally, the day came when this Roman soldier, amen, that is unnamed in Scripture, amen, begins to hear about the the God of the Jews is actually come in person in the Messiah is as the Son of God. And he begins to hear about the Messiah, the God of the Jews, come in person. And then when it happened, amen, let me tell you today, nothing happens by, amen, coincidence. It's not by heaven chance that you and I sit in this place today. But God coincided the hearing of the Roman centurion with the sickness in the Roman centurion servant. Amen. In other words, God allowed the need in his life to correspond with the arrival of Jesus on the scene because God was reaching for the Roman centurion. God was reaching for him. And this set the foundation for the Roman centurion coming to Jesus. This man's transformation began when he began, hear me today, when he began to look a little closer at the details. His transformation happened when he began to look a little closer at spiritual things in his life. Amen. No longer discounting what was being preached at the church down the road. No longer discounting the preaching behind the pulpit. No longer discounting the word of God. But something happened in his heart as he said, wait, what was that you said you did, Brother Noah, on Sunday? Tell me a little bit more about it. I want to look a little closer into what it is you're talking about. I want to look a little closer. And I want to preach today on this spot. Look a little closer. Look a little closer at the hands of God at work in your life. Look a little closer at the Word of God and its application to your life. Look a little closer at what God's been wanting to do in your life up to this point. Nothing that happened in the Roman centurion's life was coincidental. But God had orchestrated the events of the Roman centurion's life for this moment in time. Perhaps you're here, you're someone here today that several years ago thought you can never see yourself sitting in an apostolic Pentecostal church on a Sunday morning. Your life, your upbringing, your friends, and your family, your family tree, it suggested otherwise. Amen. You would not be caught dead sitting in an apostolic Pentecostal church. 
But here you are today in the house of God, sitting with people all dressed up for church. Amen. In this place today, there's been singing. There's been shouting out loud. There's been hand clapping. There's been dancing. There's been running. There's been worshiping out loud. And you might be thinking, how in the world did I end up in this type of environment? Amen. But I want you today for a few moments to look a little closer at what God's been up to in your life. You are not here today by chance. You are not here by accident. It's not even mere fate that brought you to where you are today. But Jesus has had his eyes upon you. Amen. Your life. Amen. And everything about you for a long time. And he's been working in your circumstances. He's been working in your story. He's been working in your situation to bring you to a point and a place of revelation that you have here today. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord and give Him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want somebody today to take a few moments and look a little closer. Maybe you were once skeptical of people like myself standing behind the pulpit screaming their guts out. Maybe you once were an atheist that didn't believe in God or you were an agnostic, amen, that believed that there was something out there but it wasn't God. Maybe, amen, you were of a different religious background and Catholicism was your religion or Southern Baptist was your religion, amen, or Presbyterian was your religion, amen, or whatever walk of life you come from, amen. You said, I couldn't see myself with a bunch of crazy apostolics, but I want to tell you here you are today and it's not by accident. God put you here. God put you here. God put you here. Look a little closer. God's allowed some things to happen in our lives to bring us to a place where we'll reach out to Him and say, God, I need you for myself. I can't do it on my own. I can't make it by myself. God has allowed some things to come into your life to bring you to a realization of your need for Jesus. For some, it was at a homeless shelter where you realized you couldn't make it without the Lord. And you reached rock bottom. And there the church was saying, Hey, God loves you. It ain't over yet, baby. Come on, there's still more that God has for your life. There's still hope. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe it was a homeless shelter for others. Maybe your family was in a crisis situation that brought you to your knees. And you begin to pray and reach out to God and say, God, I need a miracle in my family. I need a miracle in my family. If you don't intervene, God, my family's going to be messed up. It's going to be broken, shattered, destroyed into a million pieces. And for others, still, maybe it was a sickness such as in Luke chapter 7 that brought you to cry out to God. God, I need healing. I don't want to die from this sickness. I don't want to die in my dilemma, God. I need you. I need you. I need you. Whatever the case and whatever the situation, I want you to look a little closer at what God has been doing in your life.
And God has orchestrated the events of everybody in this place today for this moment. And God wants you to keep looking closer and closer at what he's doing. And when you understand it, when you see it, when you realize that God has been working in my life. And this tragedy, this sickness, this turmoil, this distress has not been meant to destroy me. It's been meant to bring me to an altar where I could lift my hands to God and say, God, help me. I thought I could do it on my own, but I learned how to fail really quickly without you. God has allowed things to come into your life to bring you to this place. The Bible says no man comes except the Spirit draw him. We don't stumble in here accidentally. I don't even believe, and this is just me, I don't even believe that the person high on meth or, or drunk on alcohol, amen, stumbles into this church on accident. I don't believe homeless people walk by this church on accident and stop by. Amen. There's been several times, amen, where I'll see somebody outside looks like their life's troubled and they're, they're, they're not in their right mind. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go out to them right away and say, hey, let me give you some water and give you a church card something because I don't believe it happens by accident. Amen. I don't believe people walk by here on accident. I believe that God allows them, amen, to bring them to this place. Because without it, you would never have known of the goodness of the Lord. The things that have happened in your family's life and situation, God has allowed it. You say, well, I, didn't, I, don't, know, I don't think it's, a, it's the best situation for my life. Perhaps not. But God has allowed it. And God has a plan in all that is going on in your life today. You say, my family's broken up. My family's destroyed. I got a death sentence. Whatever it would be, God wants to give somebody the greatest gift they'll ever receive. Amen. Let me ask you the question this morning. Do you believe that the word of God is for everybody? Yeah. Do you believe it wholeheartedly that God's word is for everybody? Amen. I don't believe for one moment that this book is just for the white people. I don't believe this book is just for the black people, brown people, red, yellow, whatever you want to color name them. I don't believe it's just for the Spanish speaker or the English speaker or the Portuguese speaker. I don't believe it's just for the, the whatever language it is, Chinese, Japanese. I believe it's for every language. Yeah. I don't believe this book is just for the United States of America. Yes. I believe it's also for Africa and for the Ivory Coast. I believe it's for Portugal and for Spain and for Brazil and for Thailand and all the nations of the world. But I believe this word of God is for everybody. Right. Amen. Do you believe every chapter, every verse, every line as the old Sunday school song speaks? The old Sunday school song says... Every chapter, every verse, every line, every promise in the book is mine. Mine, 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 Jesus is mine. He's mine when I'm weary, mine when I'm cheery. He's mine all the time. He's wonderful, wonderful. Jesus is to me. But the old song says, amen, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. 
God put there for me. He gave me this book so I would know how to live life. So I would know the steps that I should take. If you believe that, then what about Acts chapter 2 and verse 38? Where the plan of salvation was preached so boldly, amen, by the Apostle Peter. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, where the Holy Ghost was first poured out and, and the people began to see the Holy Ghost people speaking in other tongues. Amen. They said, what is this? These guys are drunk. They got some new drug, some new wine. Amen. We should find out what new wine, what new alcohol they got. Amen. What new batch came out this week? Amen. Peter stands up and says, these men are not drunken like you think they are, but these are filled with new wine. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Shout all flesh. Shout again, all flesh. Amen. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. And he began to preach to them. He began to talk to them about the Lord. And they were pricked in their heart. They were convicted in their spirits. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Amen. We feel the convicting power of the word of God. Amen. It's pricking. It's, it's poking. It's spiking. It's touching our hearts. They said, what shall we do? And then Peter stands up with the eleven. And he says in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you haven't yet already, amen, you ought to, you need to, you must be repentant of your sins. You must be baptized in Jesus' name for the removal and the remission of your sins. And you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Someone shout praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands one more time and worship God today. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you believe the word of God's for everybody, stand with me today. What about Acts 2 and 38 that we just talked about? If you believe the word of God's for everybody and it should be applied to our lives, then what about James chapter 4 and verse 8 that says, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. If you're here today, you feel distant from the Lord. If you're here today, you feel like you're not where you used to be. Amen. James 4 and 8 says, draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. God wants to work in somebody's life this morning. If you believe what I'm preaching today, amen, what about Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 that says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. God's church must be a repentant church, a baptized church, a Holy Ghost filled church, a church that draws closer to Him and a church that is holy. And lives in separate lifestyle. You say, what does this have to do with the story in Luke chapter 7? God has brought each and every one of us to this place. 
So you could hear this Acts 2 and 38 message. This is what it's all about, folks. Repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name. You say, well, I was baptized in many years ago, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. You must be baptized in the name of the Father. And the name of the Father is Jesus. You must be baptized in the name of the Son. And the name of the Son is Jesus. You must be baptized in the name of the Holy Ghost. And the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. When you're baptized in the name Jesus, it's called over your life in water baptism. All of your sins are washed away. There's power in a name. There's power in a name. Father, Son, Holy Ghost are not names. Amen. Those are offices that uh, is being fulfilled in different moments. As He was Father in creation, Son in redemption, and Holy Ghost in regeneration. Amen. But the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And if you will draw near to God here this morning, God will draw near to you. And if you'll set up in your mind, I'm going to live holy. I'm going to be like God wants me to be. I want to look different. I want to talk different. I want to act different. I want to think different. I'm here to tell you today, God brought you this place, this message today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'd like for the church to make their way to this altar, if you would. Amen. We're going to be out here in a few moments, but I want us just to conclude this service at the altar for a few moments. And I want to say one more thing as you're coming today. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 7 that we read earlier, the centurion told the Lord, Say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. The Gentile soldier's faith, the Lord says, was great. He said, I've not seen so great faith, not in all of Israel. His faith was great. He had risen above the need of an outward sign in this moment. The centurion said, you know what? I don't need another sign, says Michelle. Just give me a word. Just tell me something. Tell me it's going to be okay. And that's enough for me. I don't need a sign. I don't need a touch. I I just need a word from God. The word the master would speak would be enough. And the result he willed would assuredly follow. But here today I want to conclude with this. He says, I've not seen so great faith not in all of Israel. When it talks about the great faith of the centurion soldier. Great faith is something that can be defined as seeing the greatness of the object you're looking at. When it's great faith, it is seeing the greatness of the Savior. Great faith is one look at Jesus and saying, God, I believe you're able to do anything. I'm looking at the object of my affection, the object of my faith. And I believe that you are able to do it. I want to, I want to ask someone today, what is it you need from the Lord? What is it that you need from God this morning? I want you to take that need to the Lord. I want you to lift it up. I want us to lift up our hands. And I want us to say, God, this is the need that's in my life today. Come on, I want us to lift up our voices collectively. And I want us to begin to pray out loud, God, 
you see this great need in my life. God, I'm not going to look at the problem that is present in my life. But God, I'm going to look at the answer to my problem. I'm going to look at the solution to my distress. I'm going to put my eyes upon you. I'm going to put my eyes upon you. I believe that you brought me to this place for such a time as this. And as I look a little closer at the greatness of God, I see that you're able to do anything but fail. Let's pray right now, Jesus.